Welcome to Real Everyday People, an Eladio Nino podcast. You either die the hero or see yourself become the villain. See too many dark nights and light the way you're living. They got me living. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the El Nino podcast. I'm Eladio Nino, and this is Real Everyday People. So we figured we'd bring you guys a treat today, switch it up a little, little light some, up the score a little bit, you know what I'm saying? We out here in Dearborn, and uh, we represent Lit Music Entertainment, they out here doing their thing, and of course, you know, we got the El Nino podcast here. So I want to send a big shout out, man, to the Beat Crushers, man, y'all boys did y'all thing, thank you for the invitation to Johnny's Bar over there in E-Course, all you boys that came from Chicago, from Wisconsin, you guys did your thing, Detroit, we showed up and showed out, I love it when we can have unity within the community and even with 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 people from other cities and other states, you know, coming in and showing love to Detroit, man. Much love to all of y'all, man. That was definitely a treat, and I want to continue to do uh, events like that, man. And we're definitely going to be on our way to Chicago for sure. But, um, you know, a lot of great things have been happening for me lately. Uh, I just got back from uh, Las Vegas last week, man. I had a wonderful time. We were 40 deep out there. All family friends came to support me and, 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 and my, my new wife, Katie. You know, so, you know, life is good. I'm closing chapters and opening up new ones, man. So thank God for all of that. But uh, today, man, we got the man of the hour here, man. You know, a special guest who I befriended through my man, Aztec Nando. We got Goyo. They whole camp doing their thing. We got Victorino here. And, uh, you know, my man, Domingo Cortez, man, he's here to share his story with us, man. What's up, brother? How's it going? My man. So um, tell a little bit, you know, about yourself, who you, who you are and where you from, bro. I should look at you or look at the camera. Look at the camera, <laughs> you know. Talk right. to the people. Uh, that one right there. What's going on, y'all? My name is Domingo. Uh, from Southwest Detroit uh, originally, but uh, spent a lot of time in Dearborn Heights. Um, photographer, videographer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you were were you born in Detroit? Yeah, born in Detroit. Uh, raised in Southwest for the most part, but then middle school and high school. Uh, I was in Dearborn Heights. My family moved to Dearborn Heights, and like I said, I spent, spent like my teenage years there. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your parents. You know, um, you know where are they from, and and how they raised you. All right. So my mom, she's from uh, Tamaulipas, Vallehermoso. Uh, um, she came to the U.S. in 1985, I want to say. My dad, he's from uh, Marabatillo. Um, was that Guanajuato? And yeah, I think he came to the U.S. in uh, 1990 or somewhere around there. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so they came here and they settled here. Yep, yep, yep. My mom, my mom went to Cali at first, but um, she eventually came to Detroit. Uh, my dad came to Detroit immediately, you know, for the jobs and everything. And uh, yeah, they uh, they met. I want to say they met in 1992 at uh, Blue Diamond. At the Blue Diamond, huh? That's where it all happened, baby, huh? <laughs> okay, then. So tell me a little bit about your mother and what kind of woman she was. Uh, my mother, she's she's a strong woman. Uh, I got I get my shortness from her. She's four ten, but she carries herself like she's like she's six foot five. You know. She walked the world like a giant, yeah. huh? Okay. Yeah, she's a strong woman. You know, I really learned a lot from her. Um, same with my dad. Uh, my dad, I learned a lot of 
hustle and determination and uh, loyalty through him. You know, no matter what, he was always working, working hard, trying to uh, provide for us. Even when he didn't have a job, he was still doing, you know, side hustles, you know, fixing people's heaters, fixing people's thermostats, you know, their electricity. You know, if you, if you need your lawn cutter or you need your bushes trimmed, he was there, you know? Yeah, he was jack of all trades, yeah. huh? He was getting it in no matter what, whether yeah. he was off the clock or on the clock. Yeah. He was on the grind for yeah, sure, man. That's cool. So did he pass on any of them skill trades to you? Not at all. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. What happened there, man? I was too I was too lazy growing up, man. He would he would try to teach me something I wouldn't listen. So he'd just yell at me and be like, here, just hold the flashlight. And that was it. I, I I'm good at holding flashlights. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see the uh what what's that uh the what is it, the um the Christmas story? And uh where he said you're gonna shoot your eye out, kid. It's an old Christmas movie, man. And uh, they caught a, a, a flat tire on the side of the road, and he asked his son to hold the lug nuts. All I asked you to do was hold the lug nuts, and he ended up spilling them in the snow. And he was like, I only asked you to do one thing. You couldn't even do that. Yeah. So uh, what part of Southwest Detroit did you live? Where did you grow up? Like, where did your family come up at? So uh, we lived on Cabot Street first. Um, okay. And then that house burned down, and then... My dad purchased a home uh, right next to El Bosque, and uh, we li I lived there for the most part. Then my older brother, he was a hothead, you know, so he was always getting into some issues. So he got into it with the wrong people, and he was the one who actually moved to Dearborn Heights. He, he uh, his dumbass got a house in Dearborn Heights and tried to, like, buy it, you know, and then he couldn't do it. So that was when my parents had to take over the house for him and that's when we moved out there so your dear your brother started some shit in the hood took off busted up and couldn't 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 you know couldn't handle it it sounded like y'all was just cleaning up his mess cleaned up his mess you know that's why we moved out there okay so what was that transition like <clears throat> it was it was interesting you know i was young uh i was young but I got put into a situation where I grew up, uh, Dearborn Heights at that time, well, I'm pretty sure it still is, it's a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, but I was thrown into a predominantly white neighborhood, but also thrown into an all-black school. So like my middle school and my high school were like all-black. So I was put into a weird situation where, you know, I had, in the neighborhood, I had like white friends, and I go to school and have black friends, and you know, I bring my black friends to the white neighborhood, and then they treat the black kids differently than they treat me, and then it was just like this weird dynamic, you know? Yeah, that's crazy, man. You know, even, you know, when, when I was in prison, like, you know, I've always been very diverse. I lived River Rouge, Ecorse, Lincoln Park, Southwest. Them always been my stomping ground, so I was always very diverse, but it's like, you hang out with the black dudes, they got white jokes. You hang out with the white dudes, they got black jokes. Yeah. And I'm like, I wonder what Mexican jokes y'all got when I ain't around, you know what I mean? But, you know, it's cool, man, because I just always allowed everybody to be themselves. You know what I'm saying? You know, as long as nobody got too disrespectful. But, you know, I guess everybody just did it in, in fun spirit. You know what I mean? But that's one of the things that we benefited from is being so diverse in social skills. And we were able to learn diverse communication skills. And everybody can't do that. Everybody can't move around like that. You know what I'm saying? Some people don't leave their own communities because it's hard for them to be able to communicate and speak on other people's levels. So, you know, that was one of the things that benefited me when I was in prison as well, because it's like a melting pot of people, race, cultures, religion, and everything. So being in there, like I really learned how to speak everybody's language and meet everybody where they were at. And it really benefited me because I was able to go places that everybody else wasn't. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So uh 
you know, that's that's just a benefit that, that we have living in that environment. You know, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm really grateful for, for the lessons that life has taught me with that and the places it's taken me. Like, you know, I, I dealt with some racist issues, you know, when I was younger and living in Lincoln Park. But, you know, I never held no grudges. I just I always learned from them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It just gave me more understanding of, of cultural differences and stuff like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, so you have siblings. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, three brothers and I got one sister. So two older brothers, uh, older sister, and a younger and a younger brother. Okay, so you're you're in the middle then. Right there. Okay, so what was that like, man? Having older siblings, like, uh, and then you got all brothers. Like, what was that like, man? Yeah. I mean, it was it, you know, it was it was it was fun, you know. But growing up, of course, you know, we always fought, and my my two older brothers are way bigger than me, so like. Every time we fought, I'd always lose. But, <laughs> but uh, even my younger brother, my younger brother, seventeen, but he's already he's already bigger than me. But you know, it was fun. You know, uh, getting into fights. Um, you know, playing video games, arguing all the time. You know, typical brother shit. <laughs> Is that what you guys would argue over the video games? Video games, basketball, football, anything, anything competitive. We were, we were arguing. Were you just an argumentative person? Were you combative, or was you just like? I ain't gonna let my brothers be right. Yeah, no, I love talking shit. You know, no matter what it is, if you're video games, I'm talking shit. Even if I know I'm gonna lose, I'm talking shit. So that's just the type of person that I was. <laughs> so you being the middle child, you had the privilege of being a younger brother, but you also had the privilege of being an older brother yeah. too. So what was that like? You know, like did your younger brother learn from you guys in your brotherhood, or did they just follow suit? So my brother is 11 years younger than me. So when he, wow, was, when he was getting to that age where he was able to understand family dynamics and, and relationships and everything like that, my eldest brother, my two older brothers were already out the house and my sister was too. So and then I went to college. So like he spent a lot of time alone, which I kind of feel bad for. But, you know, when I finally graduated was getting able to spend time with him, I saw that he never really had that big brother experience. So I kind of still feel bad about it, but you know he was able to at least get that a little bit unique, you know. And he, he, you know, he tried to mimic my style, you know, try to wear the same clothes that I wear, hair, the same hairstyles and everything. So, so did you give him your hand me downs? Did he I get gave, all your hand me downs? My hand me downs when he was when, when he was still my size. Like I said, now he's bigger than me, so I probably have to wear his hand me downs. <laughs> you know, I, I was always the older brother, man, and I used to get all my hand me downs from my older cousins and my uncles and. You know, I, I just, I, I used to, it was, I was excited. They'd bring me a whole bag full of clothes and I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, because when I was younger, I really couldn't afford, my mother couldn't afford any um name brand clothes or anything. So, you know, my unc my older cousins and my uncles, they would have sweet stuff like Elise's, British Knights, you know, Adidas stuff. So, you know, it was like a birthday present for me when I could, you know, once a year get their little clothes and stuff like that. What about sharing like toys and stuff like oh, that? Like, we, would, we would share toys. That was one thing we always were able to share. We, it's funny, man, because with video games and, and, and toys and, you know, uh, sports equipment, we would always share, but it would still be an argument over who would win. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, it was, sharing wasn't an issue. <laughs> yeah, I was always raised to share too, man. I had my two younger brothers, man, and we shared everything, you yeah. know? And now that I look back at it, you know, I, I understand the concept of it, you know, because sometimes when you're a kid, you get selfish. You want mine. This yeah, is mine. This yeah, is for me. Yeah. But I'm glad that I was able to share, you know, with my brothers, man. Like, like I said, we didn't have the best of everything, but everything we had, we made the best of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, 
So like, did did you and your siblings go to go to school together or anything? Um, yeah, yeah. Me, my eldest brother he dropped out. He's eleven years older than me too. So, you know, we never went to the same. So he's eleven years older, and then your youngest brother's eleven years younger. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's a big gap, bro. Um, I had my little brother at forty-two. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so me and my uh, me and my older brother, uh, we went to Robot. Uh, my high school was called uh, Robotshop. Um, we went to Robotshop together. And my sister did too for like a year. But uh, you know, I think I think me and my brother were in the same the same school for probably like three years, and then he graduated, and then I spent the rest of the time there by myself. And I think I was like one of the only two Hispanic kids in the school. <laughs> wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I had a guest. Uh, she's also a coworker and a friend of mine. Her name's Ophelia. And she went to school in, in, in Dearborn, Dearborn or Dearborn Heights, but she talked about how there was only like two or three Mexicans in the whole school, you yeah. know what I mean? And I'm like, you know, I, I, I guess I can relate. You know, when I had first moved to River Rouge, um, you know, it was predominantly black and white, and there were, you know, a few few Mexican families there, you know? So, you know, it's, it's, it's a transition for sure. Exactly. I think it was my first Mexican friend in adulthood that was actually a close friend and that was 26 i was 26 when me and nando started kicking it for us so it took 26 years for me to actually get a close mexican friend you know? <laughs> it, it's crazy you know? yeah does nando speak spanish nando speaks spanish. okay so you were telling me that you, I, i'm just saying because your parents are both from the homeland i assume they both speak good spanish they speak, yeah, so they speak at home so did they do you speak spanish did they teach you spanish they taught me spanish but i'm not fluent at all uh, i can hold a basic conversation okay if you're trying to politic and, and get into a deep conversation i can't do it yeah um, but uh yeah i tried you know i tried to learn when i was younger i was able to talk more but you know i was always with my friends my dad was never really around like that so because he was always working he was and always stuff like working, that and when he was at home you know we didn't we didn't have the best relationship growing up but yeah, I just I was just never able to really learn. So, what kind of relationship did you have with your sister? What was it like for your sister to be surrounded with all brothers? Oh man, she's a warrior, man. Yeah. Warrior. Like I said, like I told you yesterday, she she fought men, like in high school and everything like that. Like she wasn't fighting girls; she was fighting guys. Damn. You know, so she she's a high head too. All my older siblings are high heads. But, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, she learned a lot from us. You know, just like the aggressiveness of the aggressiveness and never always standing your ground. Um, but she moved out at 17, uh -huh. you know, so I was, what, 13 years old? So I really didn't get to spend a lot of time with her at the house, especially, like, in, you know, when I was older, in older years. Yeah. Did, was there ever a time where she had to come and protect you or, no, you know, no, have uh, your back and nothing my, like uh, that? My older brothers were always like that. My, my older brothers had beat people up over, you know, uh, for me. I was, <laughs> I, was never, I was never the fighting type. You know, I'd argue with you, but I was always small, so I always had my older brothers there to, to whip your ass for me. <laughs> <laughs> And they was the hotheads. They was yeah. the aggressive ones. They was ready to tear some shit up anyway. Yeah, yeah. Huh? yeah, that's dope, man. That's how it was with my little brothers, man. My younger brothers, man. I was always very protective of them. You know, I always felt that that was my duty and my obligation to protect my family and my, and and especially my brothers. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's how it has to be. Yeah. So, um, what was it like going to school? Like, um, you went to what elementary school and everything in Southwest, and then when you yeah. moved to Dearborn Heights, you end up go, going to school there, like. What was school like and what kind of student were you? What kind of stuff did you do? How easy was it for you to make friends and stuff like that? Um, 
So it was definitely a transition, you know, going from, you know, I went to Beard uh, Elementary School back when it was still open. Mm-hmm. Um, and then transitioning, I went to, uh, in middle school, I went to uh, Tomlinson Middle School in Inkster. And this that transition to uh, an all-black school. It was it was it was weird because I would I would go home and I tell my mom I'm like I'm the only white kid in, in the class, and my mom would be like you ain't white, like, <laughs> you know. But then you know I'd be the only non-black person in the entire class, and that's what that's how it was for for a long time. And uh, I mean I was always a good student, you know. I always got good grades. I did what I had to do. Quiet, introverted. Um, but it wasn't that hard to make friends. Like when I first got to. Uh, Dearborn Heights. I made a I made a friend named Germanique, and we're still friends to this day. I was just hanging out with him this, this uh, past weekend. Oh yeah. Twenty years later. <laughs> wow, that's cool, man. It's cool when you have them lifetime friendships like that. You know, if you're friends for with somebody for twenty years, you know that's a lifetime bond. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That 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 uh you know that you preserve. Yeah. You know because you know a lot of times people who have known each other for that long, or have been friends for that long sometimes as you grow people grow in different directions because they have different agendas or different priorities you know what i'm saying so for you guys to be able to maintain a friendship you know you guys have been have had to put in the work the time and cultivate that and grow together yeah that's that's true that's true yeah i've had had friends in that same uh from the same group of, of friends back then that you know we all grew apart you know and like you said you know it was just a couple of the friends that i had that we were able to stick through it you know over time yeah that's cool so um so going to an all-black school like what are some of the things that you learned you know um about you know the just the black culture you know and even education you know all that type of stuff um you know what what was it like for you i think what i learned most is like the just the like the like the uh how, what's the word the dis- discriminatory shit that goes on because it was an all-black school but the staff were all white so like it was a it was it was considered a low-income school um we didn't have the best teachers there was a uh, there was a year i think it was my 11th grade year where we uh we had a strike like the students put on a strike and then they laid off they laid off like the majority of the teachers so like for an entire school year we had like substitute teachers so I, I guess just like learning just learning the the, the the fucked up shit that goes on behind closed doors because like you'd have teachers who were just in it for the paycheck they didn't give a fuck about the students they didn't care about your education they were in there to get paid to get out you know uh, yeah. and and you know because you hear about different schools and different communities you know especially suburb communities and they talk about great education they talk about um <coughs> private schools and stuff like that and I just don't understand why if we're if we're teaching the same content, the same subject, why is it easier to teach some than others? Why is the passion different? Why is the context different? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I just believe that if, if social studies and science and spelling and writing and reading are all the same, why is everybody not getting the same uh value of 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 um of education across the board you know what i mean i i just don't feel like anybody should feel like they're being cheated out of education you know what i'm saying now i can't imagine what it's like for parents or for teachers who are also some are parents as well you know to have to come in and um and try to cheat teach you know some type of subject and and not give it their best you know is it is it is it 
the the students? Is it the kids? Is it the community? You know what I'm saying? That just doesn't absorb? Do they learn different? Do they comprehend different? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it because they're getting undivided attention? Do you have good teachers and bad teachers? I mean, like, what do you think it is? I wish I knew the answer to that. But I know, I know growing up and, and experiencing it uh, at my school, um, we'd have we'd have different uh, experiences, man. We'd have different experiences. We have we'd have the classrooms with with six kids in it, you know, and with one teacher in it. But she still wasn't able to control six kids. I've had I've had classrooms where it was thirty kids in there, and the teacher was able to control all thirty kids. So I don't know. It's a good question, man. I wish I knew the answer, but it's, something needs to get changed in low-income areas. Oh you know, yeah, they absolutely, invest, man. They need to invest more into, into the schools. Yeah, I, I think it's you know a big part of values because. I used to be a hellraiser in school, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like I was a troublemaker and not to say that I wasn't intelligent. I just had, my mind was in other places. I was in the girls. I was in the gangs. I was selling weed. I liked hanging out. I was skipping school. So, you know, at the end of the day, I can't say that any of my teachers were bad teachers. You know what I'm saying? I just, I, I, you know, I was young and wild, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, at the same time, I feel like, everybody has a responsibility to meet each other in the middle and 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 also our community has a responsibility to value education like i wasn't really even thinking about graduating and stuff like that like both my brothers graduated you know what i'm saying and and i was definitely honored by that i respected that and um like i you know they even put me in alternative school and it's crazy because me and my wife we were we were both kicked out of the regular school and sent to alternative school together in the same class and here we are you know what I'm saying? 25 yeah. years later, and yeah. we're married. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's crazy. We have laughs about that yeah. all the time. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, like, like, was the black culture very influential to you? And how hard was it for you, like, not being able to identify with other Mexicans or with your own culture? Yeah, definitely. Say that. I mean, I didn't realize it until later on in life. Um, so when I was in college, actually, because when you grow up around people, uh, like in my case, it was when I was growing up around uh, being friends with like a whole bunch of black people, I didn't realize that their their culture and their, their personalities were like reflecting on me, you know. And uh, like I said, when I went to college and I started to be around, sit around like Asians and more white people and more different cultures, I started to realize they were like, I'd have conversations with people and they'll be like, you act black. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, the way you talk, the way you dress, the way you do this. I didn't realize it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what what I what I like about the event that just occurred, it was it was all black and brown artists that came together and they represented. But like so many people look at Detroit and think that, you know, Detroit, a big part of Detroit is predominantly black. But Southwest Detroit, like we're so proud of who we are, where we're from, and you know, we rep we represent our, our bandana not our bandanas, our banderas. You know, that's a bandit, the banderas, which are our flags of, of our countries. You know, we got people from Cuba, Puerto Rico, Honduras, El Salvador, Mexico, from everywhere. You know what I'm saying? And we're very proud of that. But it seems like we represent Detroit so strong. But like around around the states, we don't get uh, acknowledged or recognized for Detroit being Latino. You know what I'm saying? And so I love it when, when our community comes together and we're able to, um, you know, display our talent, our potential, our skills and all that kind of stuff, you know, because, you know, 
growing up in Detroit, absolutely. I, I don't care if you're black, white, Arab, whatever you are, you're influenced by black culture. You you dress a certain way, you talk a certain way, you know, you, you listen to certain music, stuff like that. And um, so when I went to move to East LA, it was hard for me to get along and make friends because they're like, damn, bro, you act like you black. You like, like I was a black wannabe. And I'm like, bro, I'm very proud to be Mexican, but I was raised in Detroit, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like everything I said offended. If I said, bro, dog, my, you know, my nigga, whatever, everybody, hey, bro, I'm not your dog. I'm not your bro. I'm, not, I'm like, well, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? It was just a different culture, but. You know, it just, it made me look at my people different. Yeah. <clears throat> and then when I went to Mexico, living in Mexico, like everybody looked at me like, oh man, you're American and you talk like this and that. And I'm like, bro, I'm Mexican just like anybody else, bro. Like, what is the problem here? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm from Detroit. This is how I was raised. This is how I adopted. This is what I stand on, bro. You know what I mean? Exactly. I had a conversation with a, a, one of my friends in college. His name was Diego, uh, straight from Mexico City. Came to uh, he went to my uh, college to, uh, to study, and we we were uh, we met you know we we became friends and he was like he was like uh, you're not really Mexican and I was like what do you mean he's like you're not really Mexican because you were born here and I was like what the fuck you talking about and my both my parents are from Mexico and the only difference between me and you was that I was born here and you were born over there absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah no doubt man it, it's crazy because I've dealt with more discrimination with my own people than anything. Yeah. And then, like, I was raised, my stepdad, he was Cuban, straight from Cuba, you know what I mean? So, uh, when I, as I was growing up, a lot of the Spanish that I spoke was through my stepdad. So, a lot of times when I speak Spanish, I, hey, que hola, seré como está la cosa, hey, que hola. The Mexicans are looking like, damn, you Cuban, bro? And I'm like, no, I'm not Cuban, but my stepdad, you know, so I had to explain to him that I was raised and I speak like that. And, uh, and you know, it was just crazy because even within the Latino culture, you have discrimination with, you know, Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Dominicans, like everybody had their little, you know, their little discrimination against each other. But, you know, man, ultimately at the end of the day, man, we're all Latino overall, we're all humans. We all come from different walks of life, different cultures, different belief system. You know, we're all individuals with our own ideas. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, after, after being absent from the society for 17 years, I come home and, and the world is just meshed. You know what I'm saying? You see so many meshed couples, relationships, you know, kids, families, you know what I'm saying? And, and it just, to me, that just shows the utmost um, uh, respect and acknowledgement for humanity, bro. You know what I'm saying? That, that we can all come together and, and, and breed together and, and live amongst each other and, learn from one another and teach one another about our cultures, our values, our traditions and things like that. You know what I'm saying? But um, what we're going to do, man, is we're going to take a two minute intermission and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about college and your career and being married and all that good stuff, man. Okay. I want to say thank you to everybody that's been tuning in, sharing, supporting, and subscribing. Thank you. I appreciate you, and I salute you. Big shout-out to Dearborn. They gave us the opportunity. Lit Music Entertainment, El Nino Podcast. We out here upping up the score. You know what I'm saying? We got uh, Lash and Company. We got Paradise. We got the Modern Greek over here. We taking care of our business, baby, and we, and we bringing our city with us everywhere we go. You know, 
So, um, as you see, I got the whole squad. We got Victorino over here. We got Goyo. We got Aztec Nando. And we got my man, Domingo Cortez. Any videos you see shot throughout Southwest Detroit, anywhere in the neighborhood, you're going to see Domingo Cortez on there for sure, man. Definitely, man. I see my man, Victorino. He got the District 313 shirt on. He's showing love, showing support. Big shout out to Andy Zamora, my brother Zoe for the District 313. L.A. Landscaping. Uh, uh, guys, Pizza, Mr. K's Legendary Barber Lounge, and and so on and so forth with all my family, friends, and loved ones. Love y'all. Salute y'all, man. So, um, you know, we got a hell of a team, got a hell of a squad. Uh, August 23rd, stay tuned. We're going to have Victorino on the podcast. He's going to be telling his story, and he's going to be performing on this show. Yes, sir. Yeah. So um, we're going to let Domingo, you know, finish up and tell us a little bit about his journey. Um. We were talking about how uh, where, you you said you graduated from uh, Robichaud High School. From Robichaud High School, okay, and uh, and then and after that you went to college. What college did you go to? Uh, I went to Michigan State. Michigan State, okay. You was old Spartan, okay then. Spartan, yeah. Okay, so what was that experience like, and what what inspired you and encouraged you to go to MSU? Um, shit, that was the only good college I got into, so I had to I had to go. But um, it was a good experience. That was really the first time I was surrounded by uh, a lot of different cultures. The dorm hall that I stayed in was uh, predominantly uh, international students from China. So I made a lot of Chinese friends my, my freshman year, uh, made a lot of lifelong friends. A uh, kid on my floor named Rashad, met him, met him there. And, you know, we're still friends to this day. Uh, I was able to uh, room with my best friend Kwame. You know, still friends to this day. You know, so it was a, it was a beautiful experience. You know, it was the, the experience was beautiful, amazing. It was just like the the grades and you know schoolwork that was terrible. So you lived on campus. I lived on campus for five years. Wow! So that's like a whole that's a whole different experience from, and you know, a person going to a you know a community college or or going to a, a big college like that, but not actually living on a campus. Like you're full blown in the trenches, bro. Yeah. Everything you do, you eat, breathe, and sleep college. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. So you know, I mean, back in the days, like everybody talked about how fun college was and how it was a blast, and there's always parties and things like that. Like, was it really like that for you? Not or? for me, but yes, it was a lot of parties. MSU was known as a party school, which it is, but I was never the party person. I was always just chilling uh, with my friends, with my, you know, with my. My girls, girls, I don't know, with the women, you know. With the women. Better watch your mouth, nigga. You don't yeah. know that. Uh, no, I, didn't, I didn't mean. I didn't mean my. I didn't mean my fiance till uh, I was in graduate school. Okay. So, so my, my my undergrads, yeah. <laughs> different, different, different girls. No, that's cool though, bro. So you said you were predominantly like around a lot of Asian students, like. Like, what was that like? Like, what was their mission? And and what, what did you learn from them? That was the first time I met rich people. Um, they were rich. You know, uh, out-of-state tuition is, is, is extremely high, but international uh, students pay even higher tuition. So, like, they For were real? they were out there driving. You know, my girl, my girl will tell you, you know, they were out there driving uh, Porsches, Lamborghinis, you know, these fancy cars. Wearing, In college. Wearing Gucci belts and all this fancy high-grade uh, high stuff, you know, just like it was nothing, you know. And it was, it was, it was interesting seeing that, you know. And... Uh, but yeah, my uh, so aside from like the aside from like the uh, 
the Chinese kids, there was a lot of people from, you know, all different countries, you know, like, I had, there was a girl from, like, new, uh, from, like, London that was in the dorm hall, you know, so it was, like, a bunch of, a bunch of different countries. So did they ever share their stories, you know, with you about how their families migrated here and how be, they became so successful and, uh, and so, obtained all these things? So like, they were, they were actually from China. They came, they came to the United States specifically for school. So, like, their, every, their whole families were still in, like, the other countries. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, they're still taking care of them in this state from a whole nother country yeah they got money. you know so they got to be getting good money out there in china china got that good money good money good money hell yeah they got good food too you hear yeah. me i like these five that, that, that was that was a, that was a cool thing about having chinese friends they, they would tell you which restaurants were good and which ones weren't you know like like we could tell somebody what's the good Mexican restaurants, or what? Yeah. Which one's the Mickey Mouse one, and which one's got the good pozole, and which one's got the good tacos? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was it was you know plus sides to it. So did any of them like inspire you? Like what what were most of them going to school for? Um, it was different. You know, you have you have a lot of them for engineering. Most of them were uh, engineering or you know something related to something where you had to be extremely smart for. Okay. You get the ones that were there for communication, uh, business. So it was it was no specific thing. So what, what did you actually go to school for? So when I originally uh, went to MSU, my major was uh, construction management. And the reason being is because when I was in uh, high school, um, a person from MSU actually came to my school. It was considered a low income school. So when you applied, you had to have an, uh, a face to face interview with somebody in order to be accepted or not. So it was like four of us in my school that had a face to face interviews with an admission counselor. They were called admissions counselors. Okay. So right then and there, they would tell you. And I came up with this big ass sob story about how I wanted to do construction because my dad did construction and I wanted to start up a business. It was all bullshit. You know, I just, said, <laughs> I, just I literally just said that to get accepted. And I was able to get accepted. You know, so when I when I went to college, my major was construction management. I took one course in construction management, but then after my first year, I switched to advertising and public relations. How, what, how is the transition from that? Was it a big difference um, from construction and management to, to now you're pursuing? So, so, so college in general is a big cash grab. So when you're, when you're a freshman, you take prerequisites. So like courses that you have to take no matter what your major is. So that's how they get money from you, you know? So you have to take like these social classes, <laughs> uh, math, you gotta take a bunch of, you know, shit that you don't actually need. So like I was taking all the pre prerequisites and I just had one construction management class. So like it really wasn't like a big transition because I was just getting the courses that I needed to get out the way, out the way. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Because when I first got home out of, out of the joint, I just wanted to do all the right things. So the first thing I did, I went and signed up. I went to Wayne County, uh, Wayne County Community College and uh shit bro i was not prepared for the shit you hear me i just wanted to stay on the right path and do the right thing man they started talking about homework and research and reading and writing and computers and reports and studies and i was like dog you know what i'm saying and then i'm like i was i was trying to go to do like social work man i had to take math tests and shit i was like what the hell does math got to do with social work you know what i mean i'm like you know i'm, I'm here and i'm in the business of people i'm not in the business of of math and all that and they were like well it's all part of it i'm like damn you know that's why i only did one semester it was over with and then technology they give me a laptop like you got to do reports i'm lost in the sauce i'm like hell no this damn thing here i didn't know what to 
I'm slapping it, punch. I want to throw the damn thing. They're like, they go up, go down. I say, listen, man, I don't know what to do. Everybody's like, I called you and texted you. I said, well, you fucked up doing that because I don't know nothing about it, you know? <laughs> so, um, so what was the full experience like for you, man? Did you get what you wanted out of it? Was it worth your money and your time? Yeah, it was definitely, no, it wasn't worth my money. Uh, because you, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of debt. Um, I feel like it's extremely, extremely unnecessary to go to college for something that you don't actually need a college degree for. Like with my degree, I feel like I didn't need to go to college for. Um, so it was a big ass waste of money. But I did have a great experience. I did develop lifelong friends. I met my fiance through uh, school. So I guess because because of that, it was worth it. But the education aspect of it wasn't worth it at all. So the life experience was worth it. Was was worth it, you know? Okay, I see. Yeah, that was just part of your journey, man, and yeah. continues to be because you took parts of of that that part of your chapter of your life, and 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 now you're you've started new chapters in your life. Yeah. So how long have you and your lady been together for? Uh, I don't even know. Six years, something like that. That's a long time, bro. Yeah, that's good, man. That's commitment, man. That's love, baby. Time flies when you're having fun. Hell yeah, you got to have a whole lot of fun, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, in your line of work, you need somebody who supports you. You know, who encourages you, who's got your back. You know, yeah. Comes true. to your events and and you know just has your back, bro. Like like yeah. that's beautiful to have that man yeah i'm most i'm definitely blessed you know to have someone like her who's extremely supportive uh who is with me through the journey when i fuck up she'll tell me that i fucked up you know uh, who's, you know has my back and is critical of everything that i do and supports me i'm just saying the same things over and over again but yeah you know i tell people all the time like love once love is obtained it still has to be maintained yeah. love has to be renewed constantly you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, people grow apart. People have different directions. They got different interests, different priorities from one year to the next. So it's important as couples who love each other to make sure that you guys are meshed in and that you guys are growing upwards together. Yeah. You know, and it's not always easy. It's a challenge sometimes. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, especially if you don't know how to communicate especially if you're not willing to meet each other in the middle and, and compromise and be flexible. And, you know, you got to be able to put ego to the side and pride to the side and, and all that type of stuff, man. You know, it, it, it takes a lot of work, but you know, that's what, that's what, that's what having a good foundation is all about because then you can build on it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's true. And that's one thing that we had, you know, we, when we started off, you know, we started off as friends, but when we were building that, building that chemistry and eventually got into a relationship we had a strong foundation and we were just we were both are uh, pretty good at communicating so we always had that communication aspect you know if i felt a certain type of way i'll let her know if she felt a certain type of way she let me know and we talk it through you know of course you know there's difficulties we'd have you know arguments you know on the brinks of breakups but you know because we were so uh we were so close to each other and we had that communication you know we were always always able to work through it yeah yeah, that's good, man. That's dope, bro. Because, um, you know, everybody don't make it, bro. You know what I'm saying? Everybody doesn't have what it takes. You know what I'm saying? So that's very mature, you know what I'm saying, of both you guys to be able to be focused, know that you're on a journey, you're on a mission, you got goals, and, and you guys are both putting in the work and playing your part. Very true. My my lifelong goal is to be a stay-at-home dad while she works and gets the money. <laughs> 
That's Hell yeah! I'll tell you what though, that you know, I I, I salute you. I that that's dope. But uh, uh but being but being Mr. Mom ain't always easy either. Yeah. I seen Mr. Doubtfire now or Miss Doubtfire. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's cool though, bro. Especially now, like I see so many more men stepping up to the plate and accepting responsibility. You know, being good fathers. You know, taking care of their families. You know, and, and it's not uncommon now for women to be out there getting the money and making the money and bringing her home and, and stuff like that. You know, at first, like, it confused me because my generation, you were always taught that you're the man, you're macho, you're supposed to be the provider. You know, your woman tells you what to do. She stays home. She takes care of the kids and does cooking, rubs your feet and your back and all that <laughs> shit, you know. But now it's the other way around, you know what I'm saying? And, or or it's both ways, you know? Yeah. People are managing work schedules, kids taking turns, taking naps, sleeping, all that type of shit, you yeah. know? Yeah. You know? And then even seeing, like, female gamers now is cool. Like, like women are into video games and stuff she, like she that. She plays more video games than I do. <laughs> yeah, she, she's on her Sims every night. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool, man, how technology has, has played such a big part now in, in the way that society functions. You know, it's become a way of life now, you know what I'm saying, for so many. I mean, I you know, it's been good and it's been, you know, bad in some ways, you yeah. know. You got games like, uh, what is it, uh, damn, what are the names of some of these crazy games? Grand Shooting and Grand Theft Auto. So PlayStation 2 just came out before I went to prison. And, and you know, I, I actually, I got to play it real quick. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, what the hell? Like, they got hookers and carjackers and guns. And so over the years, in the past 17 years, I heard how Grand Theft Auto has evolved, though, and they got more hookers and more guns and more explosives. I was like, wow, that's crazy. And uh, and then, you know, and now they even got like age brackets on, how, you know, how old you could be to buy a game. So that, that shows you the content that's in there. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, you know, it's just crazy, man. It just became a way of life. You know what I'm saying? Like, like virtual, but reality. Yeah, virtual You know, reality. people turn virtual into reality. Yeah. It's crazy, true. man. So tell us about your career, bro. How did you get into making videos, videography, photography, like all that good stuff? Because every time I see a new rap video come out, my man Don Rico just came out with a suite, went over there in front of the pop shop. Oh, yeah. And uh, Domingo Cortez, everything you see, Domingo Cortez, I'm like, damn, that boy stay busy. <laughs> yeah. um... <laughs> When I was, uh, when I was, well, I always was interested in making videos. Um, growing up, it was me and my cousins. We'd always want to do YouTube videos, like skits and stuff. So when I was 18, uh, I, I got a camera, a Canon T3i. And I just started off taking pictures and doing small little videos. But, you know, that quickly died down. I went to college. You know, I forgot all about it. And, you know, every now and then I took pictures. But when I graduated in 2017, uh, I couldn't find a job, man. I was hopping from job to job. I was, you know, I was, I was a low life, man. I was a real low life for a, for a while, you know, okay. hopping from job to job. Then I couldn't live with my parents no more. I moved in with my, with my uh, fiance. I moved in with her and her mom on the east side for like a whole year. It's like, you know, I'm, a, I'm the only Mexican kid on the fucking east side. And then. Damn, that's crazy, then, bro. Um, Where at? Whereabouts on the east? Uh, eight mile in Gratiot. Eight mile. Okay, then. Um, so I was out there and, uh, you know, you know, I was just. 
I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, you know? And uh, I said, fuck it. You know, I couldn't find a job. So I was like, you know what? I got my mom's credit. Uh, my mom had a Best Buy card. Uh, she bought like a TV a couple years back. And I was like, you know what? I'm about to use my mom's Best Buy card to buy a camera, a new camera. And this is how great God is, man. I bought my camera. And like, not even a week later, my cousin hits me up. He was like, hey, my boy Nando, he's, uh, you remember Nando, right? I'm like, yeah, we used to play Halo at his house, you know, when we were kids. He was like, yeah. He's like, he's over my house, you know, like, he, he does music. Y'all should link up. So, like, all right, whatever. I went to I went to his house, and Nando, and Nando was there. Are you blushing? Yeah. And Nando was there. Um, and so we reconnected. We talked about everything. And literally from that moment on, you know, like, the rest is history. You know, we shot music videos. He, he was already connected to a lot of musicians and artists in Southwest. So, um... He, he gave me the connections that I needed, and he essentially took me from right here to up here. You know what I'm saying? So, like I said, the rest is history. Okay. So, he had the first videos that you shot. How many Nando videos have you shot? Over 20. Over 20. Wow. So, how easy or hard is it to actually shoot a video? It's extremely hard. It, it is the most difficult thing in the fucking world. It is extremely difficult, but um, I think I'm, now I'm at a point where it's, it, you know, I have a good, a good grasp on it, and I'm able to, you know, I'm able to like pick what I want to do uh -huh. with the video. But uh, especially starting out with Nando, I mean, it wasn't difficult with Nando because when we first started out, it didn't matter what I had. Nando liked it. If it was not, if, if it showed Nando's face, Nando was in love with it. As long as your face is out, it's a good, it's a yeah, good video. It was a good video. So I had, a, I had a like, you know, like the first like six, seven videos I shot for Nando. It was like that. No matter what I threw at him, you know, he's like, that shit is fire, man. I love it. Yeah, you know. But we, ha I had to slowly get him out of that mindset where like, no matter what he sees, just because it's him, I mean, it's good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, so now, so now we're able to critique. We're able to critique and pick apart music videos now. You know, especially the ones that we shoot together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it, it, it slowly, it slowly got easier over time. So, are you still using that same camera, or do you got? Did you upgrade your equipment or? Um, we on 8K now. We on, we on, we on 6K now. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I, for, for the most part, I still use the same exact camera. Um, but for for uh, certain video shoots, like with Nando. Uh, Goyo, and then Victor, starting with Victorino now. Uh, I haven't shot one with him yet with the new camera, but um, but uh, yeah, you know, with certain artists or certain songs, I shoot with the new camera. But for the most part, I still shoot with the same the same uh, Sony camera that I bought a couple years ago. So is it easier to shoot videos indoors or outdoors? Because we, I, I would think you know, outdoors you got to deal with weather, sun, clouds, rain, you know, all that type of stuff. And you know, indoors, I guess you you know you got to work the light system. So I mean, all that has to be a skill. That's a skill to education to know you know bottom lights, top lights, shadows. You know all that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's easier for indoors, most definitely. But the easiest uh, video shoot for me, at least, is nighttime when it's like this. If it's nighttime and it's like weather like this, it's the easiest shit ever. So all you need is light, and that's it. And the video's gonna look amazing. So, do you capture? Do do like the artists come to you and tell you their vision of it, or do they just tell you, "Hey, Domingo, do your thing," or like how how does that work? Like, 
when you did Don Rico shit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Don Don Rico is one of the few people who have an who has an idea of what they want to do before we actually shoot. For the for 97% of uh, artists, they they give me the song at, on the day of, and they're like, "Here's the song," and this I want to go here and I want to shoot. So it's literally on the whim, you know. Like I have no idea what I'm about to do. So there's 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 certain artists that will do it. But that's because I'm slowly starting to step away from music videos and shooting a lot of music videos. Like I want to get more into like creative music videos. I want to get more into like films and stuff like that. Slowly, slowly, you know, get my feet wet into that because a, a lot of the, a lot of this shit is like really, really unprofessional. You know, uh, you have to wait for the artists because they're late. You know, or like they they don't they don't tell you what they want to do beforehand, and everything is just so unorganized. You know, and at a time you know at when i was first starting out you know i needed the money because i was unemployed you know so like the first year and a half like i was like all right man i'd wait an hour for them you know or like fuck, i i traveled to you know the fucking trenches like the the hardest the scariest parts of detroit you know to shoot a music video now i would do it i needed the money you know and then uh i was able to find a job you know and once i got this job i saw i started to realize how much i was putting myself in these stupid situations where i'm like waiting all this time for people and like you know just like inconveniencing myself for these people you know and i'm and i'm not a, i'm not an i'm not a uh, i'm not an aggressive person I'm, i've always been more passive so like when i want to leave you know and i'm like i can't wait no longer you know but they're like no i'll be there in like half an hour more but just wait just wait and i'll be like all right i'll wait when in reality that should have been like no nah, fuck you i'm gonna dip you know yeah um, yeah no doubt so you know now that i got this job is it good yeah, yeah. yeah. Now that I got this job, um, I'm starting to slowly back away because I don't need the money no more. I don't need, you know, I, I can skip out on a music video or two because I know, like, it's going to be extremely unprofessional or extremely organized. And, like, I just want to push myself away from that, you know? I mean, maybe, who knows, I'll get fired tomorrow and I got to do it again all over again. But, you know. Um, <laughs> so now it's become kind of like a side hustle for you. Yeah, yeah. But, but. You know, once, once, you know, I feel like I developed the skills of like storytelling and like cinematography. I feel like it'll become my main thing because I really want to. I'm, I'm really passionate about it, and I really want to turn it into a business where we can offer, you know, Victorino, Boyo, Dando. You know, like these, this is like this is my family right here. These are my brothers. You know, and I want whatever happens with me in my business or like whoever takes off i know if goyo takes off tomorrow we're coming with him if victorino or nando take off tomorrow we're coming with them and that's same how it should same, be bro same, same with me that's how you know? it should be man for yeah. sure bro you know that's dope man because yeah. that's the kind of commitment i have you know to my people yeah. wherever we go we go in there together if i get there you're coming with me you know what i'm saying yeah. what's good for me is good for you yeah you know yeah. so that's dope man that you guys had that 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 um standard of morality you know what yeah. i'm saying for one another yeah. you know what i'm saying like that's that's brotherhood that's that's friendship you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah yeah but um let me see so i can imagine that like like how you said it's difficult you know people come late you know what i'm saying what about like the props you know what i'm saying you got prop guns prop money prop it's not, it's not you know prop. what i'm saying <laughs> or the shit is really real and you're like god damn it's, it's funny because it's never it's always never prop guns but a lot of the time it's prop money <laughs> oh, a bunch of yeah yeah and you know what though i like i like when when a lot of rappers can just be themselves you know what i'm saying like 
like one of the first ones that never like to me in my eyes that glorified money or anything was like eminem bro yeah like he was like the dopest he would say the dopest shit he never glorified he was so simple he'll wear a champion outfit you know to the damn uh, red carpet or something or to, you know just whatever man and i'm like that and he had more money than anybody if anybody had the right to talk about it, it was him you know what i'm saying and he didn't and you know even when i see nando and goyo's videos like uh victorino's videos like you know they're just expressing creativity art culture you know what i'm saying of course you know we want the you know we want you to cut the check of course we want the money but that's not what we in it for you know what i'm saying like we in it for the love of it for the passion of what we do you know for the growth for the community for the creativity for you know for the potential for the message you know what i'm saying that is in the music you know and um and and that's what i love about it that's what i respect about it because even me running a podcast business like i don't make no money off this shit, bro you know what i'm saying like i just started charging 99 cents to watch my podcast i think my podcast is worth 99 cents bro you know what i'm saying and you know it's it's twos and fuse that i make here and there but at the end of the day it's about the message bro it's about the well-being of people humanity my community you know what i'm saying educating people hearing your story hearing our stories of how we got to where we're at today you know people look at you where you're at today and they're like oh he's living a good life but i had to go through the shit though you know what i'm saying to get to where i'm at i had to take make sacrifices you know what i'm saying i had to make a lot of bad decisions you know what i'm saying to get to where i'm at today you know as we all are and but that just shows the growth you know that shows you know the the appreciation for life you know what i'm saying and the understanding of the lessons that you learn in life it gives you consciousness and awareness of the things you go through because sometimes you know life don't make sense to you until two three five years later when you're going through something and all of a sudden you got all the answers you know what i'm saying and you're like damn i would have never had the answers if i would have not had the experience you know what i'm saying or you come across somebody who's struggling with something and i'm able to give him some good advice because of the things that i went through it wasn't necessarily for my growth it was for me to have information to pass on to other people because god works two people through people you know what i'm saying so i just you know i love god i love life i live a very grateful life I have joy, I have peace, I have happiness, I have you brothers, you know what I'm saying? Like God gives and God takes away. God has taken people out of my life and he's replaced them with other people. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes people are just stepping stones, you know what I mean? And then sometimes you have lifetime friends who are with you on a lifetime journey. You know what I mean? And um, and 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 at the end of the day, I want to, to re- appreciate it all. If I only meet a guy for one day or if I know him for 10 or 20 years, I want to know that every time we're together, we're exchanging power. We're exchanging knowledge. We're exchanging experiences. We're uplifting each other. We're educating each other. We're setting a whole new standard for love, care, and concern, for kindness. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know, you know, like coming from the streets, you know, you get you get dealt a lot of shit, bro. You go through a lot of shit. But, you know, at the end of the day, it builds character, man. It builds understanding. You know what I mean? And uh, and those types of lessons are priceless, you know, because you can 
you can share them with people and you can empower and enrich other people's lives. You know what I'm saying? With, with your experiences. And, um, for me, that's what this podcast does. You know, I feel like for so long, Detroit has been underdogs in the entertainment world. And I always used to look at Atlanta because Atlanta was a place that everybody talked about how united their artists are from the promoters to the DJs, to the, to the uh, directors, to the photography, to the videography, to the rappers, to the singers, to the dancers. Everybody worked with each other. Everybody showed each other support. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we're building here. We're building a new standard and showing what power in numbers can do, what power in unity can do. You know what I'm saying? And look at where we're at today. You know what I'm saying? Coming together, we got brothers that entertain, sing, dance. This brother, he's breaking down all the barriers and building all the bridges. He's coming out with alcohol music. He's mixing rock with rap. And, and I know people have done it before. You know what I'm saying? But we got a Latino brother from Southwest Detroit who's making it happen. And that's the difference for us. You know what I'm saying? And I applaud you, brothers. You know what I'm saying? And I applaud everybody who's supporting, who's loving, who's working with each other, for each other. You know what I'm saying? Uplifting one another, bro. That's what it's all about. That's how we get there. You know what I'm saying? But I'll tell you what, that's where you do the feature. If he can't do the Spanish, now Goyo's on the feature. Where I'm weak. You guys got a team, bro. You know what I'm saying? And that's dope, man. Oh, one thing. We got a song coming out. Me and Victorino. It's called No Sympathy. Oh, yeah, no Sympathy. the most amazing song I ever heard, bro. And it was so crazy because I thought this guy, all he did was, was record and do videos. This guy is an artist. This guy does all kinds of shit. I said, damn, let me, I might start writing songs. Shit. I want to be a singer, rapper, or professional grito artist or something. You know what I'm saying? But listen, man, we've come to the end of this show. I want to thank everybody who's been sharing, subscribing, supporting, who've been paying the 99 cents, contributing to my well-being. It helps pay for the snacks and everything so we can show hospitality at the studio. This is our first time that we did a location podcast. It's been a success. Thank you, Dearborn. Thank you to all the businesses, Lashing Company, Paradise, Modern Greek, everybody for giving us this opportunity. Lit Music Entertainment in the house, El Nino Podcast. Much love. Appreciate y'all. Salute y'all. Stay safe, man. And thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next week, 8 p.m. Much love. This has been an episode of Real Everyday People, part of the El Nino Podcast. Check out the El Nino Podcast live on Facebook every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And for full episodes, the El Nino podcast is available on Facebook and YouTube.